Hi everybody, this is Claudio Miranda. You may know me as Claudio M. Uh, from IRC, but I'm also co-host of the Linux Basement podcast. Well, I wanted to uh, record an episode here for Hacker Public Radio uh, because I hear that they are in need of shows. So, here's my contribution. Um, got something in the works for a series I'm planning but that's going to come down later on. It's still not quite there yet, but uh, I'm getting some ideas floating around. But I figured I'd start off and uh, submit this one here on how I came to Linux. So an introduction first. Let's uh, let's talk about how I started with computers. Uh, many, many years ago, when I was a young lad, <laughs> back in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, I took a programming course on BASIC. And this was, I would say, maybe fifth, sixth grade in elementary. It was a Catholic elementary school. Actually, it was a Catholic K through eight. Uh, K through eight is what I guess what you'd call them now, but everything was integrated, uh, middle school and everything like that. But anyway, so uh, I took a programming course there, and it was on these old Commodore systems. Um, now, they looked like Commodore pets, but... Uh, Apparently, the label on them said CBM, so I don't know if maybe they had a version of the CB of the PET rebranded as a CBM for educational institutions, but uh, that's what I remember. And I do remember that we had to save all our projects in uh, on cassette, and then trying to recover them from cassette was always uh, was always uh, an interesting experience. <laughs> Uh, but that class kind of taught me a lot, and I remember the last project that we had to do was uh, we had to write in the code for a uh, skiing game, and it was all with ASCII characters and everything, but it was a lot of fun, and it really, it really just uh, strengthened my desire for all this kind of stuff. Now, I've always had an interest in all this kind of electronic stuff, and I've always had an interest in music as well. Uh, so those are my two loves, music and electronics, specifically computers. It kind of went into that direction. But I always had this desire to tinker and take things apart, and my parents would always get angry at me because I would never be able to put things back together the way they were. So, so yeah, so I kind of, you know, molded that into, you know, into computers. I kind of started going into computers and then into programming. Um, well, as the years went by, as when I went from, no, I'm sorry, from 7th to 8th grade, uh, the elementary school I was in had closed down because of uh, financial issues. Uh, so they moved us from the Catholic school that we were in to another one in nearby in the area. And uh, had a bit of an upgrade there because I was still taking the programming courses on BASIC but this time we went from the Commodore CBM slash PET to the Apple IIe. Now, this was great. I still had the experience from my previous class, but this was more of an advanced class. And uh, I did enjoy it just as much. Uh, but I, the problem I had was having to stay after school and do my homework for the class at school. Uh, eventually, my parents did uh, get me a computer for Christmas. And one of the things that I always wanted, one of the computers I always wanted was the VIC-20, because I had a friend who had a VIC-20, and we used to play all these old text adventure games, and I just thought it was awesome. Now, I had an Atari 2600, I had, you know, all these consoles, 
but I didn't have a computer, an actual proper computer. And so my parents, after telling them which computer I wanted, they eventually got me a computer. Now, bless their hearts, they had no idea what to get, so I ended up opening my present, and it was a Mattel Aquarius. Um, not sure if many of you are familiar with this system. It's a rather obscure system, but it's uh, it's kind of intriguing, <laughs> uh, given that it reminded me a lot of the Intellivision just put in computer form. Think of the ColecoVision and the Atom. This is kind of what the Aquarius was compared to the Intellivision. However, they did use different processors, which I eventually found out. Um, I'll be sure to include in the show notes a link to uh, Wikipedia about the Aquarius, maybe from some other sites as well. Uh, so anyway, this was a computer that I got for Christmas, and it did have a basic interpreter on there. So the saving grace was that I was able to actually program some stuff you know, with what I learned in basic. Um, granted, uh, a lot of the stuff that I was doing on the Apple IIe had to be ported over and certain things would work, certain things wouldn't work. So I guess that was my first foray into uh, porting porting programs from one platform to another. But anyway, so still saving stuff into a cassette tape with that system. Uh, and that was always um, an exercise and, and patience. <laughs> but uh, it did me well for a good while until... A few Christmases later, my parents actually did upgrade me from that computer to an Apple IIc, which is great because now I was working on the same platform and I would be able to move between the two systems easily, do my homework at home, and submit it the day after um, or whenever we had the class uh, to be able to submit it in time without having to stay after school. So anyway, that was my experience with computers. Uh, I held on to that Apple IIc for a very long time. Uh, I would say way into the into the late '80s, probably even into the early '90s. But by that time, I had kind of um, kind of grown out of doing all that basic programming. Uh, now I did used to get uh, subscriptions to Family Computing and some other magazines, and I would stay up late at night typing in all these these games that they had uh, in Basic for different platforms, and they had it for the Apple too. And I do remember sifting through those pages in those magazines, reading articles on different computers and and games and a whole bunch of other software, and I remember going through and finding this one advertisement for a, um, it was a book on Unix. And for some reason that stuck with me. And I was like, what is this Unix that's mentioned here? I've never heard of it before. I've heard of BASIC, I've heard of DOS, ProDOS, and all that being in the Apple II world. But I never heard of this Unix stuff. And it just, they made it seem like this mysterious and wonderful system. But anyway, that stuck with me. I never really looked into it, and, um, you know, I just kept on going with my own life as a kid, as a teenager, and, you know, eventually we moved uh, from where I was living in New York, and, uh, like I said, I kind of dropped off the whole focus on computers and started doing other things, focusing more on music and taking piano lessons and things like that. Um, but I was always always a fan of the Apple II. Never really did have experience with a PC, uh, with the IBM uh, PCs or anything like that. Um, I did actually have my first experience with a Macintosh. Uh, this was in the late 80s. 
my father was renting an office suite with a, uh, another person that he knew who was also his client, and they decided to work together. and And he actually had like a small printing uh, printing press there, uh, while he worked on a lot of the graphics design. Now, mind you, this is way before computers, so it was all by hand, all all in the old ways of doing things. Uh, but the, his, uh, his friend there actually purchased a computer and it was a, I believe a Macintosh Plus. And I was just blown away by the whole graphical environment, having come from a very command line oriented environment with the Apple II. And so I was just, I was blown away by this and I said, this is the future, this has got to be it. And so I guess that's where my, my love for Apple machines kind of came from. Uh, I've always been an Apple fan, always been a Mac fan, don't hold it against me. <laughs> but uh that would that 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 um affinity towards that platform would s- continue on through the 90s as I started studying sound engineering and started focusing more on my music on the music side of of my life. Um did a lot of the um sequencing and 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 you know, composition, music composition on a bunch of Macs that they had at the university once we moved to, to Miami in the late, in the early nineties. Uh, we, you know, the, over at the school, they did have some, some PCs, but I always stayed far away from them. I always stuck with the Macs. It was much easier to deal with. Everything was graphical. So that kind of melded the two between computers and music. And I always, I always have, even to this day. Uh, so, Time progresses. I graduate from there. Well, not even. Let's go back a little bit. Uh, I actually was uh, one of the assistants in the media lab there, and eventually I did start getting PCs in there. Uh, most of these were the old IBM PS2s, uh, and uh, we had to make sure that they were working with the software and all that kind of stuff. So I said, well, i got to deal with this Windows stuff. And mind you, this is Windows 3.1 and still MS-DOS at the time, so... Not really my cup of tea, but I had to thr- thrust myself into it and kind of familiarize myself with the environment, even though I hated it with the passion. So I did become familiar with Windows and DOS and and even the uh, the early days of the Internet, if you will, because I would connect to a free net that was available for the college at the time called Cephalon Freenet. Actually, it was a, it was a access that we had for the, uh, uh, what was it, uh, Southeast Florida Network, is, I think is what it stands for, what it stood for. I don't remember. Uh, but I guess I can look that up. If I find anything, I'll put it in the show notes. So I would connect to that. I would use Gopher, use FTP. And, but that was it. It was all a controlled environment. I do remember that when I logged into these machines, when I remotely logged into them, uh, it was all through dial-up uh, on a PC that was using a terminal uh, software. Uh, when I did connect to their servers, I noticed that it was a, a Sun OS server. So here we go again, getting exposed a little more to some Unix environments here. So it was rather interesting, and I did read up on FTP and all that kind of stuff, and, and, and the World Wide Web and all those things. Well, not even the World Wide Web. That wasn't quite popular just yet. Again, this was like maybe 90, 93, I would say. 93, you know. 
So I still wasn't familiar with the World Wide Web and didn't become familiar with it until much later. Um, still, my experience with that was was there, and I kept working in the middle lab, kept doing all that kind of stuff, but I started getting more interested in computers again. So eventually my parents, the Apple II at this point was useless, it's way obsolete, and I, I think at this point it was just dead because it was, it was just so old. So eventually my parents did purchase another computer for the family for Christmas. And yes, this was a Mac, since we were practically an Apple household. My father also was starting to work on Macs, and he would actually in the past use that Mac Plus uh, just to kind of familiarize himself with it. Uh, but he never really touched the computers until much later on. He still is a Mac user, and I'm trying to get him out of that. But anyway. So, I'm still working on Macs. Now I finally have a Mac at home, and I can do all the music stuff that I wanted to do. Uh, but I was still connected to the BBSs and, and Cephalon and all that stuff from that Mac using terminal software that was available for the Mac. So, I continue on as a Mac user, as a, as an avid Mac user. And I eventually graduated from that college, and I was hired, I started working at this local ISP. So the good thing about it was that I heard, had already gained some experience with Windows um, and DOS. Not total, not a lot of experience, but good enough to be dangerous. <laughs> so I was, I was hired by this ISP, local ISP, which doesn't exist anymore, and... And I went ahead and, you know, I was basically a field tech and going to different houses, different um, businesses, and setting up the Internet for them through the ISP, mainly on Windows machines, some DOS machines, absolutely no Macs. But uh, I did configure my Mac to connect through the, through the uh, ISP, through dial-up. So I would, if that ever was a situation I would come into, I would not have a problem. Unfortunately, that never happened. But anyway, so at this ISP, I was exposed to a lot more Windows um, and a lot more, a lot more PCs, a lot more different environments, even Windows 95, which at the time, I would say this is about 95, 96, I started to become familiar with. Um, at the time, also, personally, I was collecting a bunch of old PCs, just playing around with them, you know, with uh, Windows, and yeah, I did have some Windows 95 copies floating around from friends given to me, but in my time with this ISP, uh, and as I, I guess I became more, you know, more uh, comfortable with the owner of the ISP, uh, you know, we became friends and everything, and he introduced me to, well, he showed me the servers that they had for for allowing people to access uh, the internet through them, and I guess this would be my first introduction to Linux as an operating system. I had no idea what it was. He was the one that introduced me to it, and he would speak. He talked about Linux like it was God's gift to the world, <laughs> and. And I'm listening to this, and, and I always had the philosophy that an operating system should be something that comes with a computer. I guess because my computers at the time came with some sort of OS or some sort of basic interpreter or something that can make it useful. I never, 
believe that an operating system should be something separate from the computer because without an operating system, the computer is useless. So, at least in my opinion, anyway. <laughs> uh, so, I always thought that the operating system should be something that's freely available. And the applications, I guess, if they want to charge for it uh, as proprietary, open, or whatever, that be that would be up to the developer. But an operating system itself is something that I thought was essential for a user to use a computer. So he's telling me about Linux and about all, and about how it's free and it's not just free to to download and install, but it's also free to modify, and that you could actually make those changes available freely to others and I kind of, that's how I kind of was introduced to the whole free and free software and open source uh, philosophy so I'm sitting here I'm like wow this is amazing it, and it just opened my eyes to it. I said I've got to give this a try and so he actually set, uh, set up a box for me with I believe it was a version of Red Hat an early version I don't remember exactly and it was running FVWM as the uh, graphical, uh, as a window manager. I had no idea how to get that going, but he would set it up for me, and I would just go and try and browse the web and try and do all these things. And while I could, it I was rather limited, mainly because of my lack of knowledge. But I said I was determined to learn this because I really wanted to get this installed on some of the PCs I had at home. I didn't want to run Windows. I wanted a Mac. I couldn't afford it, so I I said, I'm going to learn this, I'm going to try and figure it out. I broke that machine so many times, you have no idea, and I didn't know how to get it back up and running, so he would sometimes help me out and get that going. Uh, but that was kind of, it was kind of a love-hate affair with, with me and Linux, but I wasn't going to let myself get uh, get down. Uh, I really wanted to learn this. The whole philosophy had already captured my heart, and I was in love with it. So I eventually, uh, well, just to make this a little short, the ISP eventually, after a couple of years, uh, closed down. Um, and as a parting gift, I guess, for having stuck so long uh, with the company, uh, he, the, the owner actually gave me one of the PCs uh, for free. So I took that one home, and I went ahead and I installed a, a Linux distribution. Or actually, not really. I, I At this point, I was still I needed a computer that worked out of the box. So I went ahead and I installed a copy of Windows 95 on it. And that one went from Windows 95 to Windows 98, and so on. Uh, but I didn't give up on using Linux. Um, again, I was, still would have preferred to have a Mac, being a Mac user preferably, and I dabbled in emulating stuff on there in Windows as to make it run like a Mac. Uh, but it just wasn't the same. So, uh, I would actually end up using the Mac in my parents' house, because I was still with my parents. Eventually, I did move out, uh, and I couldn't take that Mac with me, so I was forced to use that PC. Now, while I was using Windows on that PC, Windows 98, I guess at the time, later on, late 90s, uh, I started uh, reading up on Linux, following all the different Linux sites, and I eventually did get a copy, um, I don't remember if it was for my birthday or for Christmas, it seems like it always seems to be the theme of Christmas in, in, in these milestones of my life. So, 
I ended up getting a copy of Red Hat 4.2 as a gift. And so I said, this is awesome. I finally have a copy of Linux that I can install because for me, downloading an ISO just was not possible on dial-up. <laughs> it would take practically forever. Uh, so I went ahead and decided to take one of the PCs I had and install Linux, the Red Hat on that. And I was able to get it up and running after a few trial and error. And, um, but I couldn't get it on the internet. And that's what I had some trouble with, especially with the, with the modem. Um, now, I don't remember if the modem that I had was a wind modem or if it was, I do believe it was an actual hardware US robotics modem. Uh, but this was so long ago, so. But nevertheless, I did do what I, what I could to get it up and running. And there were times where I actually was able to connect, uh, with that Linux box. Uh, but I still had the Windows box just as, as something for school and, and just for other tasks that I needed. Uh, because I needed something that worked. It was my production machine. Well, time went by, and I started dabbling a little more with Linux, and becoming more adept with it, more familiar with it, and I started, um, I started doing some distro hopping. Uh, so I would go to school, and I would start downloading distributions. Uh, before that, I actually purchased a copy of SUSE. I think it was 5.1, and I started playing with that and installing it at work, uh, and telling my coworkers about it, how great it was, and. And, and, uh, and it would just fall on deaf ears just because they didn't see, they didn't see the, the, what I saw with Linux and how great it was and the whole idea of a free, as in, you know, not just, uh, free as in beer, but free as in speech, uh, district, you know, operating system. So I played around with that, installed with that. Uh, later on, <clears throat> as the in the beginning of the 2000s, I uh, started playing around with a lot of other distributions. Uh, I went from that Red Hat uh, to SUSE and then jumped to Mandrake, and I stayed with that for a good while because I liked that had a lot of graphical tools for the command line stuff. I really kind of wussed out on the command line stuff. Uh, but uh, I did have some Macs, some older Macs that I played around with and got them online. Again, I was still preferred using the Mac for my everyday use. Still didn't have one, still didn't have enough money for one. Uh, but I was able to get some older ones. Um, I also started playing around with uh, some Linux distributions that were for the PowerPC. Uh, I started installing Yellow Dog on some Macs at that, that I had at work. Uh, and that was, it was fun to try out and to, and to just play around with. And, and I eventually did start using that, um, for the majority of my time while I was working. Uh, but I did have to switch back to Mac OS. I had I'm, the computer that I had at, at this one job, uh, once I was working for the school system, uh, was, uh, was a, uh, Power Mac, uh, 8500, I believe. I don't remember. Anyway, so I would play around with uh, PowerPC Linux there, and I would play around with x86 Linux at home, and, and uh, you know I would I would install it on my then Celeron 300A. Uh, I would I would uh, test out with um, with Debian, Mandrake, and SUSE, and all these distributions. Um, and like I said, I stuck with Mandrake for a good portion of of the two thousand the early two thousands. Um, and then I kind of got 
tired because I would end up breaking things. And some of the tools that um, that Mandrake had at the time uh, would end up breaking everything else. And it's just there was no consistency. And so I said, you know what, let me try and find something else. And so I, I saw this Slackware, and they say it was simple, a very simple Linux distribution. Of course, I misunderstood and took simple to mean easy to use and not in simple uh, as, a, as a simple design of the operating system. So Slackware kind of kicked my butt when I tried it at version 8. I cried, and then I went back to Mandrake. <laughs> uh, but eventually, I did come back to Slackware with version 9, and I stuck with it. And I have to say, that's where I really cut my teeth with Linux. Uh, I know there's a saying out there that says, uh, you know, you want to learn Red Hat, use Red Hat. You want to learn Debian, use Debian. You want to learn Linux, use Slackware. Of course, nowadays that can be debated with other distributions. But at the time, it was Slackware. So I did enjoy Slackware. I, uh, I had it installed on that 300A. Uh, for a good while, until it just was too old to run anything. Um, and on the PC end, it ended up, it ended up being probably my main um, my main Linux distribution. Uh, so I went ahead from configuring stuff graphically to configuring stuff with the command line, and at least just to get X11 working. <laughs> So, you know, and start using stuff. Again, we had, at the time, at this time, we had broadband. Uh, everything was connected through the network port, so very easy to get all that going. Um, now, my love for the Mac still did not go away. I, do, uh, thanks to work, I had some experience with OS X when it came out. And I got to play with it, and I loved being able to pull up the command, the, the, the terminal, uh, and being able to run commands that I was familiar with in Linux, and it just blew me away. Um, so I eventually moved to OS X at work, uh, but I still played around with Linux there. At home, I was basically Linux, with the desire to be running Mac OS X at some point. At around 2005, I want to say, I finally was able to purchase my own Mac. So I got myself an iMac G5, 2 gigahertz, came with OS 10, 10.3, I believe, I don't remember. Uh, it was a, it's not even that important, but it came with a decent version of OS 10. Uh, no, I'm sorry, OS 10.4, it came with Tiger. And I was so happy to have that machine. So for a long time, uh, my primary system went from being Windows and then Linux, and then from Linux and Windows to OS X and Linux and Windows. So <laughs> that was the order of my preference. Um, I really didn't want to use Windows. I only used it because I had no other choice. Um, but now I had the choice to have a Mac, and I was able to do all my, I was able to use all of my applications that I did for sequencing and everything, especially the stuff that was on, on, on the older Mac OS, and work on that on OS X. Uh, and I was happy. Until, Apple decided to, to, to sell some, uh, not 
not so quality hardware, I guess if you want to say it. The hardware had a defect, and the defect was bad capacitor design. So my iMac G5 that I loved uh, didn't last very long. I would say maybe around 2007, 2008, uh, it was it was becoming an issue. And I had to have the boards replaced twice, and Apple was not forthcoming. Uh, as even though they had a uh, replacement program because of that defect. So I was pissed. And uh, I said, never again will I let Apple burn me. And so thus began my migration after the first motherboard fail and the second motherboard fail over to Linux. At this point, I was already getting into Ubuntu, which was the up-and-coming uh, Linux distribution for human beings, as they proclaimed. And... I was happy. I liked it. I liked it for my everyday use. Um, it, uh, I, it, it kind of, Slackware took a back seat to it. Poem was that I still love Slackware and I didn't want to give it up because I learned so much from it. And now I'm still distro hopping, playing with Debian, playing with, uh, with uh, Slackware, playing with Ubuntu. And every so often I'd maybe play with Fedora, but there's some history to that. I know back in the day, Red Hat did some um, Red Hat did some things with the community that was not uh, not very pleasing to the community, and so I didn't like what they were doing, and I decided to stop using Red Hat altogether, and Red Hat to base distributions altogether. I fell in love with the Debian way of doing things, and the Slackware way of doing things, and Ubuntu had a very user-friendly way of doing the Debian way of doing things, and so I ended up doing that. Uh, so my order of preference, I guess, would have been at the time Ubuntu, Slackware, Debian, and then moving over from OS X, trying to make my primary system uh, a Linux-based system and not the other way around because of all these issues that I had with Apple. So eventually I was able to do that. Uh, the iMac G5 finally took, kicked the bucket and the replacement program had already expired. So I had no choice but to move everything over. Thankfully I had already done that. And so a lot of my computer's usage towards the late 2000s, before 2010 and into 2010, uh, was, was all Linux based. So my primary system finally moved to Linux. Um, I was a lot more advanced now in, in my Linux usage. Uh, I was, it was, was not afraid of using the command line. Uh, it was just my preferred platform. And so I started dabbling in uh, audio, especially with Ubuntu Studio. I started dabbling with uh, audio programs on that. As a matter of fact, I actually installed Ubuntu Studio on my Power Mac G5 because there was a PowerPC port of it. Um, actually, no, my mistake. I actually installed Ubuntu on it and installed the Ubuntu Studio meta packages for it until it finally died. So that one was dual booting for a while with Linux and OS X. Um, preferably on OS X in the beginning, uh, that was my primary, and then eventually I moved over to being strictly Linux and moved all those applications and songs and, and projects and everything over. So, once that iMac G5 kicked the bucket, I copied everything over to uh, my PC at the time, which was an Athlon XP2400+, 
which was running Linux, and I just continued on. And so I've been dabbling with a bunch of Linux distributions, going from Arch, going from various flavors of Slackware. Uh, eventually I did leave Ubuntu because, you know, just didn't like the direction they were going into. And uh, actually, ironically, I moved over to Fedora after playing around version 13 and falling in love with it because all the previous versions just were cracked to me. But anyway, so uh, I'm still sticking strong with Fedora. I've got Fedora 20 on my laptop here. Uh, which is a Toshiba M4, Protege M400. I've got my old Asus EPC901, which ran various flavors of Ubuntu, ran Slackware for a little while, and uh, is now actually running Lubuntu, which I'm using for some testing, uh, just to test out the operating system. And on my PC at home, guess what I'm running? Slackware 64, and it's been running ever since like a champ. And that one is actually a newer system, um, uh, I would say I got it in 2010, 2011. It's an, um, it's an AMD, uh, Phenom, uh, X4965 Black Edition. Uh, and it's running very well. And it's been running Slackware, and it will keep running Slackware for as long as I live, I guess, or it lives. Uh, so, how funny that, um, my life ended, or started, actually, with my life with Linux started with a uh, an advertisement in a family computing magazine about Unix. Um, I never thought I'd end up running a Unix-like operating system like Linux, or even with the BSDs, which I'm dabbling in uh, recently. So, kind of funny how life uh, how life is. So, there you have it. That's my uh, how I got into Linux, how I came to Linux episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope I. Uh, haven't rambled too long, as I usually do if you've listened to Linux Basement. Uh, if you want to contact me, you can contact me at, uh, at my email. It's claudio at linuxbasement.com. I'm no longer on the social networks, and that's for personal reasons, but uh, you can find me there. And you can find me also uh, on IRC as Claudio M on Oddcast Planet on the Freenode network. And so there you have it, folks. Thank you for listening. Uh, hope you all submit a an episode for Hacker Public Radio as they need as they do need shows. Very important. It's up to us to make sure that Hacker Public Radio stays alive. Thanks again. Have a good one. Bye bye. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.